Greg Stangle. I work at Fox Networks Group, and I'm a senior vice president of Global Solutions. And where did you come from before you joined Fox? I worked at Creative Artist Agency, our sports property sales team in our global business, and was there for eight and a half years. Uh, great experience. And before that, I was with the New York Mets for five years uh, in their front office. And before that, I was five years at the National Hockey League office. So I had been in the business just about two decades. And the NHL was your first job out of college? That's correct. And that was 1999? That was 1999. October of 1999. And had you had internships before that? I did. So I went to George Washington in D.C. And I had a couple internships. I think the one that stood out was when I was the uh, bodyguard for the mascot for the Washington Capitals. And he was a giant puck at the time. It wasn't quite the eagle yet. And he would literally walk around the building and he had no eyes and ears. So I had to be the guy that kind of showed him where to go and where to shake people's hands and uh, would come back into the office and stuff season ticket mailers, like, for hours. Like, literally, like, thousands of these pink, like, flyers. And we would drop them into these envelopes, print labels, put them onto... Uh, to envelopes and, and mail them. This was really the day... So this is probably 97, this, 98? This is, this is 1997. This is 1997. And was that your first job in sports? My first job in sports before that, I worked for IMG in their D.C. office as an intern working on an event called the Women's Global Challenge. After two weeks of researching which sponsors would be a, would be the right fit, the event... Uh, got canceled and my internship was over. Amazing. And, you know, one of the things that really made me want to bring you in and, and, and record your story was, uh, one, we had actually met when you were at CAA. I was very junior in the business. We were on our way to Yankee Stadium to see the new stadium mm-hmm. uh, to talk about a potential sponsorship deal. And getting to know each other, meeting for the first time, really walking into a subway train, uh, we started sharing kind of how we got here in the business. Um, not only did you have uh, what I thought was a compelling story, but really the fact of getting a job in sports. Um, it's something that you know a lot of young people want to do. It's not something that you need a degree for or can get some type of certification. It's truly a who you know and how hard you work business. And what, sure. I, what I love about that is if, if you're an athlete, you're, 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 you're competing all day. Uh, but once you get off the court and you realize you're not going to be a professional player anymore, you almost have to work just as hard competing to break through in sports. And so when you started interning in sports, you know, I think that probably gave you a good leg up in the industry. Um, but how did you use those internships to eventually get to the uh, your first job at the NHL? Well, I think that um, what I learned early on, it's all about who you know. And when I was growing up, uh, when I was in college, it was really the first concept of email had just started and my email address at GW had like four different dot com slash you know computer science lab slash whatever it was so no one was really using email Um, and I had taken some sports management classes at GW and I credit this woman Lisa Delpy she is a professor at GW in our sports management uh, program and the business actually um, knows of Lisa and her program is has grown quite a bit since I was there. 
and every year I'll, I'll bring, you know, I'll take a couple hours and do sort of a meet and greet with her students. But Lisa connected me originally with some folks um, at the NHL and, and um, some other rights holders in New York City. So once I graduated, I, I understood who the people were, but the problem was I couldn't contact them and couldn't get a response. And my tactic was literally every day when I graduated from, I'd say for six weeks from May to June, every day I would hammer the fax machine and just send my letter, my cover letter and my resume and say, I'm Greg Stangl. I, I want to work in the sports business. I really didn't know anything about the sports business. Even through those internships, it took me, excuse me, it took me really, once you're out in the real world, I wanted to make money. And I wasn't going to do it working at Morgan Stanley or, or be a banker. Or I needed to work in a business that I was passionate about. And I think so many of the people growing up now, coming out of school, what they don't realize is how much elbow grease and hustle is needed to be successful in our business. And and that is a trait that I still have to this day. I still and, have that. And so let's, let's go back to the fax machine days. So you're putting cover letters together. Did you have a fax machine at home? Oh yeah, I had some. <laughs> so when I moved out of when I moved out from college from GW, I moved back into my parents' house. And my dad at the time where where was that? That was in Rockland County, Rockland New City, County, New City, New York. Right, right off of uh, Route 304. My dad had a had moved his private practice into his into a house that had the office in the house. We had like an attached house uh, with with people and patients would come in. So once, uh, you know, I had access to all of his, his state-of-the-art equipment, which included this fax machine, and it literally, I would be sitting at the fax machine. I remember, like, this, the tone of the numbers right. on the machine. Like, I remember hearing it, and... It had that silly, con- had that fax silly wax confirmed. paper. Yep, silly wax paper. Fax confirmed. So I didn't hear anything, and, and this is the fun, the fun part of the story. So I'm a big music fan. And, uh, and I told my, my folks, you know what, I'm packing up my car, I'm going on, on the road with my, with my college buddies who had no direction either, uh, and we all decided to go follow the band Fish around for the summer in 1999. We drove from New York to Kansas City to Atlanta to Toronto and had plans to go all the way out west, and then literally my mother was still faxing all of these places that I had told her to fax in follow-up. And just by sheer volume, I figured it's at a certain point, if you're going to get a fax through, someone's going to see it. I finally got a call. My mother called me. Um, I think we had we had just gotten cell phones. And she said, Greg, you got a voicemail. that The NHL wants you to come in. They, have, uh, they want to talk to you about an internship. And I remember hanging the phone up, kicking my three other buddies out of my smelly car. They continued on the music tour with, with other folks. And I turned my car around in Pittsburgh and drove right home. This that is for, and that's for an internship. This is for an internship. And you, and you already graduated college. Great point. You've interned enough. You want a job. I want it in the door. And I took an unpaid internship for two months at the NHL, pass, passing clips around hard copy clips that were photocopied every day about what was going on. What do you mean by clips? Clips, press clippings. Anything that had to do with the, 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 the NHL, the sport of hockey, players, teams. My job, photocopy the clips, 
distributed them to the 100 people in the office. After eight weeks of doing that, I got hired as an assistant in corporate marketing, which, quite frankly, at that time, I didn't really know what corporate marketing meant. Let's go back to the, the internship. Where, where did you live during your internship? Oh, I lived at home. In Rockland County? That's correct. How did you get to the city? I drove every day. You you had the car you kicked I, your friends I, out of. Exactly right. That and, probably still smelled from the fish tour. That's correct. Hopefully there was nothing left on the floor there that you no, could pick no. up on the way. No, no, no. And so you drove into the city. You paid the tolls. Every day. You paid tolls. I parked at 50th and 8th. For free? No, $32 a day at the time. Wow. So it probably cost me money. Plus gas. Plus gas. Yeah, all that. And the, the, the hours of spending crossing the GW Bridge from the Jersey-Rockland side... Forget it. That's why I live in Westchester now. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> and they and it was an unpaid internship because back then uh, it was legal to not pay. I guess so. But I'll tell you what, man. They worked me over. I and I will never forget um, the walls of that office at the NHL from 1999 to 2003 when I finally got hired as an assistant uh, by Andrew Juddelson, who God bless him is still uh, a good friend and in the business. He's at uh, William Morris. Um, you know, he and I have, have stayed in touch, and without his um, tenacity and his approach to selling, there's no doubt in my mind I would not be where I was, where I am today. And I'll tell you this: it's all about it's all about the people and the relationships, and, and making the most of every opportunity that's put in front of you. But you have to take the good and the bad with everything. So, to that point, you're there. You're working for free. Did they buy you lunch? No. Did they? No. You know who bought me lunch? My buddy Chris Long, who was an account executive at the NHL, who I just met for the first time. So you met a guy in the company who was a little bit ahead of you? He was, uh, oh, very much so ahead of me. He was two slots ahead of me. He was an AE working on the Quaker State business. And what made Chris take to you? Uh, Very, very easy. We both uh, both like the Jets. And uh, and the the guys that I worked with, the, the fraternity that was started with that early... That, that late 99, early 2000, NHL marketing group class, those are some of the closest friends I have in my life. And when they brought you in as an intern, did they promise you a full-time job? Did they tell no, you you're going to no do guarantees. This? Did they say this is going to be four weeks or 12 weeks or just it could end tomorrow or go on for two years? At will, it could end tomorrow. But the goal for me, once I was in the door, there was no way I wasn't going to become an employee. And when I got my business card with the NHL Shield on it, that was the coolest moment of my life. So, going back to just you know some of the traits that you put into yourself that you know I think really kind of helped get here that I want to highlight. One through college, you made it very important to intern, get yourself ingratiated in the business. Two, um, you know that that old fax machine. I don't know if it's still around anywhere, but if uh-huh. it is, we should try to frame it. Um, you're, you, what, what made, you know, you said to your mom, Hey mom, I'm going on the road, but I know this is going to work. Be a good mother and stay tenacious for me. And then when you finally got the call, even though you're having the time of your life, you dropped everything oh, for yeah. that moment. And you said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss this. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to get it. And then you finally got in the door and you said, no matter what, I'm going to figure out a way to stay here. But the real question is. How did you endear yourself to these people? You're an intern. You shouldn't even be speaking to people. How do you get to a guy two, three slots ahead of you? How do you join a fraternity like that? That's a great question. I think that's the secret sauce of life. I think people gravitate towards people that they like and that they find engaging and interesting and intelligent and funny. And you got to be yourself. At the end of the day, you might be working for a certain company or representing a certain client, 
But if you're not you, and you're not authentic, and you're not trustworthy, and you're not someone that, in a, from a business perspective, they look at you and say, you know what, this person can help me and add value. If you don't have that frame of mind when you're talking to people in life, then people aren't going to invest back in you. So for me, I was taught at a very young age, you have to, um, you have to be disarming. You have to be aware of, of the people that are, are positive and, and potentially negative. But you have to be humble. And you have to be willing to respect the people that you're dealing with, but also bring perspective that's additive. And so adding value, being humble, respecting history, respecting the elders, that kind of helped you cut through? Passion as well. Passion. Passion. You have to, you have to want it. And uh, in my genes and my history, and, and you, look at, you look at the Stangle family tree. Uh, my dad's an immigrant from, from Europe very, very early on in his life. We're fighters. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we don't stop till the job's done. And, and that's just always been what's been wired into me is you got to keep pushing forward. And, 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 and speaking of that, that family tree and the DNA, I think that's, that's kind of what's amazing about your story when you talk about, you know, really the people that helped you get there. I've yet to meet anybody who's told me a story where they really did it by themselves with nobody's help and still get there to this day. Uh, with Lisa, with Andrew, with Chris, they, they all seem to be very important figures in your growth, yet you don't get to know any of these people if, if mom wasn't the fighter. That's right. And, and I'd be remiss to say, you know, that I've been surrounded with by great executives, you know, later on in my career, by Paul Danforth and Mike Levine and 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 all my old colleagues at CAA, and, and now working with all my new colleagues at Fox, um, I think people, no matter what stage of career they're in, will always still need other people to help them. No one is bigger than the industry. No one is bigger than the game. And the relationships that you have with your colleagues, with your clients, with your support staff, with the people that. Um, are cleaning the, the, the bathrooms. You have to be able to manage relationships from the bottom to your to across with your with your colleagues that are at your level and above. And if you can manage all three areas of, of your life the right way and treat each with the same amount of respect, good things are going to happen. So that that's some amazing wisdom. Um, and as an elder to me in this business, who I who I like to say I've learned from. Um, if anything, I've learned how to respect. I've learned how to have patience. Um, I've learned how to be a, a, a true professional. What would be some of the things you might do differently if you were talking to Greg, still at GW, going through those internships, looking to not having a, an easy time getting a job and packing up that car to uh, follow fish? What, what would you have done differently? Not one fucking thing different. That's amazing. In fact, there's no regrets. You have to keep evolving. You have to keep being the best version of yourself every day that you have an opportunity to wake up and be part of this world. And uh, the lens that I have now, sitting here in 2017, and the lens that I had in 1999 for life, um, pretty similar. So to that point, now that you're the executive... Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're you're the guy that, um, if I'm a college kid... I'm trying to get an internship with. Um, luckily, I don't have to fax you my resume anymore. I can probably just find your email somewhere and stalk you. What advice would you give to people looking for a job? And more importantly, when you are actually hiring people, what is that one, th- one or two things, or what are you looking for that's going to separate 
that that junior person from the pack. Attention to detail. So I have a story about a guy. His name is Rashad Drakeford. I'm not sure if you know him or not. No. So he was. Uh, I was working at CAA at the time, and he was interviewing to be an assistant on my desk. I loved him. The problem was my colleague at the time, who we were going to share the assistant with, liked him but had someone else in mind, so I couldn't hire him. But what Rashad did was, after the interview, he sent me a CD of fish with a handwritten note that said, the way that fish became a band and how they practiced in their garage for hours at a time in the early 80s, the amount of dedication and work that they put in to be successful, I'm going to take that same approach as your assistant. And when I got that, I was like, hired, blown away by it. And there's a whole other element, the element of follow-up and personalization and humanizing um, conversations. In digital world right now, you can get lost behind letters and numbers, but to handwrite a note and to connect with someone, and the fact that Rashad knew and was aware that he saw a little sticker in my office with the band logo on it, he went after a passion point of mine to connect with me. And that, to me, is the type of people that I'm looking to surround myself with, people that understand other people. And if you can connect with someone, it's great. Now, thank goodness he didn't come work for me because he's on to much bigger and better things. I was going to say, did he, he didn't get the job. No, now he's like a CEO. He's making like you know low seven figures and, and he's killing it. I hope he takes my call one day. How about that? So Rashad still didn't get the job, but he got into your good graces forever. Yeah, and it's attention to detail. And he knew how to, to, to touch my buttons, which is like, to me, how do you stand out to people? You want to make people be intrigued by what your message is and no better way to do that than to do it in a way where you know what the other person is, is passionate about. And, what, and even though you didn't hire Rashad, you, it helped establish a relationship you still have 17 years later? Or maybe 9 years later if this is Yes, in fact I should probably give him a text after this because I just remembered I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in a while. Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad we were able to add value to today. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you.